good. Well, would you turn, please, if you haven't already, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in a crisis. I'm sorry. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. A new creation. Another version says a new species of being that never existed before. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When it says all things have passed away, what does that mean? It means they're dead. I want to minister for just a few moments along these lines. He got a hold of me and he won't let go. And my cry is this, my God, just don't let go. Father, we thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit. And Father, tonight, by priesthood, by example, I believe you will stir us. You will bless us. You will challenge us. You will motivate us. You encourage us. But Father God, above all things, by your Holy Spirit, I ask that you will change us. Because, my God, I want more. I want more. I want more than just being blessed. I want to be changed. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Now, I now live in Virginia. I live in the mountains of Virginia. I'm a hillbilly. But as I said this morning, I'm originally from the great state of Alabama. Roll Tide. But my mom and my dad, Lawrence and Florence, they were born again, spirit-filled saints of the highest order. Especially my little mama. I mean, my daddy was saved to the bone. But my mom was saved to the bone marrow. Come on now. She got saved when she was three years old and baptized in the Holy Ghost when she was five. But my mom and my dad, they loved God, they loved the things of God, and they endeavored to raise their six children in the ways of God and the things of God. But I'll never forget something happened. It was on a Monday morning. I was nine years of age. And on that Monday morning, my dad that I loved so much, he was struck down. He was struck down with a massive stroke. So severe they didn't expect my dad to live. At that time, he was in his, you know, upper 40s. A young man. They didn't expect my dad to live. But thank God, he came through. But when that happened to my dad, I was nine years of age. Something happened to me. The devil is a liar. How many believe that? 
and the father of all lies. Now, my mom and my dad have been encouraged me for so long to live for God, to serve God. You need the Lord in your life. But when this happened, the, the devil said to me, and you're going to live for God? You're going to serve God after what God did to your dad? But my mom would have said, no, son, no, son, no. God didn't do this. God's a good God. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I didn't know God, and all I heard was the voice of the enemy said, look what your God has done to your dad. And I said, I'm not going to live for God. A young age, nine years of age, nine years of age. I'm not going to live for God. I'm not going to serve God. And something happened to me. The spirit of bitterness, anger, and rebellion came into my life as a nine-year-old. And I said, I'm not going to live for God. I would never, never serve God. No, a thousand times no. A thousand times no. No way, no way, no, no way. I became so angry as a young boy, nine years of age. I wanted nothing to do with God. We go to church on Sunday morning. We go inside. The church is about a half a mile from the house. I go in, and then when they win the crisis, I go home. Because I didn't want God. I didn't want the things of God. And where I lived in Montgomery, Alabama, there were four of us that lived in the same block. And we were the best of friends. We started hanging out together in kindergarten. And we were young, nine years of age, nine one was nine, the other maybe 10, 11, right there. A couple of days, years difference between the four of us. We started doing things we shouldn't do. At a young age, smoking and drinking and stealing and becoming wild and crazy. I was arrested by the police for the first time when I was nine years old. Why? That bitterness, that anger, that rebellion down the depths of my heart. And you see, over well, the next nine and a half years, ten and a half years, rather, what is almost 20, hell tried to destroy my life. Hell tried to take me out. I told her seven automobiles, but I walked away by the grace of God. Overdosed on several occasions, I should have died, but God spared my life. I was drowned a couple of times when I was Drunk, higher than Cooter Brown. Not to put Cooter down, but almost drowned as I fell overboard, drunk and out of my mind, but God spared my life. In those years, there was somebody who was watching for me. Does anybody know his name? Say it again, Jesus. And also there was somebody else who was watching for me. My mom and my dad, Lawrence and Florence. And from the time that I was nine to almost a few days before I turned 20, I was arrested, all kinds of misdemeanors and felonies, several DWIs, shoplifting, come on now, assault and battery, possession of drugs, arms violations, auto theft, attempted murder. As a young man, they finally lowered down the attempted murder to assault. But guess what? I was going down, 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 down. Over the years, I was in and out of juvenile centers, detention centers, reformer schools, city jails, county jails, and I served time twice in the state penitentiary as a teenager in Alabama.
I was wicked, evil, nasty, vile, corrupt, and sinister as a young man. I hated everything and everybody. My life was a mess. I was in juvenile center's attention since finally when I was 12 years of age. I went to the state reform school for the first time. I went on more than one occasion to the state reform school. And when you're in reform school, everybody in reform school has to have a job. You won't believe what my job was. Somebody take a guess. I worked in the infirmary. Come on now. Now what's in the infirmary? Take a guess. Drugs. At this point, I, I drank alcohol, but I never did drugs. And some of my friends in reform school said, can you get us some of those red pills, green pills, yellow pills, purple pills? Come on up. I think so. And guess what? They started paying me. I became an entrepreneur. Come on now. And I started taking drugs myself. I didn't start taking drugs outside of reform school, but inside of reform school. And for the next eight years, I took drugs, ups, ups and downs and in-betweens. Whatever I could sm snort, smoke, shoot, or take orally. I was so bound by the powers of hell. But I'm so glad that Jesus was watching for my life. Watching for my life. Tore up those automobiles. Overdose several times, but God spared my almost drowned. I've been shot and stabbed. I was left for dead. My life was a mess. I look like three miles of bombed out runway. You think I look bad now? I don't look as bad as some people. Not calling any names, Bobby. <laughs> but I was so nasty, so mean, so violent, corrupt. I got kicked out of four, all four public high schools in Montgomery, Alabama. Get out of here. You're gone. You're suspended. But thank God for my mama. My mom was a professional photographer for over 50 some odd years. Some of the people she's taken pictures for. Jimmy Swaggart, the first long play album. His picture on there. He was a revival in Mama's church. Mama took the picture there on his album. She became good friends with Dr. Martin Luther King. She did many pictures for Dr. King. But my little mama was praying for me. She wouldn't let up. She wouldn't give up. My dad too, but especially my little Holy Ghost mama. On many occasions, my life was spared because of mama's prayers. And my mama knew I was called to preach, but she said, Lord, I would never tell him that it's called to preach because I want him to be God called, not mama called. I was kicked out of four high schools, but there was a public, I'm sorry, there was a private, a private school in Montgomery called Williams. Every lowlife, heathen, scumbag dog went to that school. I was there. I was ready to get kicked out, ready to flunk out. My mama was asked to take the senior pictures. She took the pictures, and I got a diploma. Come on, shout amen. <laughs> Thank God for mamas, amen. The things our mamas will do for us. But here was 
And there's something about me. I woke up with a temper. I woke up with hatred in my heart for everything and everybody. God forgive me. Now I'm not here to glorify the works of darkness. No, hear me, I'm not. But I'm here to glorify the goodness and the grace of my God. I could have died on many occasions. Thank God I didn't. I would have gone to hell. I would have gone to hell. And my mind was so burnt out because of substance abuse. I was smoking marijuana, smoking hashish. I would take all kinds of psychedelic drugs, peyote, LSD. So I would take one hit of LSD. I'd take two and three four. I was with the Anozon land, liberal land, woke land. Where? Say it again, baby. Biden land, come on out. <laughs> My mind was a mess. But still, I was nasty and mean. And I went to prison for the first time as a young man, as a teenager. I went to prison, but guess what? I got out. And you would have thought I would have had a wake-up call. Come on, church. But guess what? You need more than a wake-up call. You need Jesus. But I was running so hard and fast. I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with God. And all the time, mother would say, son, why don't you go with the church? Don't ever mention church to me again. I will never, never, never darken the church all days of my life. But I got out of prison the first time. I got in trouble again, 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 again. I was sitting five Felony charges. Four have been committed. And after the fifth violation, they arrested me. And I was charged for all the charges, all five counts. And the district attorney in Montgomery County, Montgomery, Alabama, he did not like me. Think about that. Trust me, I'm likable. Come on now, I promise I am. Now, think about this, Pastor Rick. Why would the district attorney in Montgomery County not like, had a personal dislike for me, had a personal vendetta against me? Why? I don't know. Let me kind of toss out something. Maybe this could be the reason. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But the first time I was been sent off to prison, I've been convicted, ready to go. I was been escorted out of the courtroom of two of the finest deputies. And the district attorneys, there was Matt Peel. Matt was standing there, walking right by, by, by spitting his face. Well, they, the deputy had that baton, hit me in the leg. I went, whoa, you would have thought it was a Pentecost. Whoa. Well, I should have read the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, coming out. But he did not like me. And he told my lawyer, I'm recommending at least 40 years. Oh, I was young, 19, going to be turned 20 in a few days. Oh, I didn't want that. Facing 40 years, going back again the second time in prison. And I was going to go to court on March the 7th of 1972. Now, that was on a Tuesday, as you recall, okay? But something happened the week before that. 
One week before that, on a Monday morning, the Lord woke my mom up early. And the Lord says, don't go into work today, the studio. Let the girls that work you, let them run the studio this week. But I want you to stay back all week long and fast and pray. And she knew she was going to be praying for me. And so mama stayed back all week long. They did not eat one morsel of food for a week. You would have to know about the Holy Ghost mama. I mean, she was an old-time, old-line, full-gospel Pentecostal saint. You know the flavor I'm talking about. Come on out. When mom would pray, she'd pray and sway like this. Little Ray Charles number. Come on out. And mom would pray, she, and she let out a, oh, God. And mama, she fasted and prayed on Monday. Woo! Get a hold of my boy. Woo! Tuesday, get a hold of my boy. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. My little mama stay before God. You wonder why your children are saved. When's the last time you prayed and fasted for 24 hours? 72 hours. What about a week? My son's lost in a nun. I challenge you to spend one day a month, one day a week, even more. God get a hold of my family. But for a week, my mama prayed and fasted all week long. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Here was on Sunday. And mama, they, they go to church. Evangel Temple, Assembly of God, Montgomery, Alabama. And that old sanctuary was a long, long, very long, long, narrow sanctuary. The only way in or out was the doors in the back. And so mama comes that Sunday morning. And she goes straight to the altar before the service started. And she begins to pray, oh, God, woo, get a hold of my boy. She stayed there the whole time. She stayed there in praise and worship. She stayed there the whole time the pastor was preaching. To the altar that mom was still there. And the service was beginning to wrap up. And the Lord said to my mama, Today is Danny's day. I've heard your prayer. Today is his day. I'm going to set him free once and for all. When Daddy was sitting on that side of the church, second row, and Mama jumped up. I mean, when the Lord said, today's the day I'm going to set him free, Mama jumped up, and she took off running. Now she was a runner, a shouter, and a jerker at the same time. Woo! I tried the one time and hurt my neck, so I quit. Come on down. And mama took off running around that church. And she stuck where daddy was. And she said, God has heard our prayer. Today is Danny's day. The Lord's going to set him free once and for all. And she took off again for lap two. She came back around and she said to my daddy, let's get out of here. Let's go straight home. Let's don't go out to eat. Because she was determined to break the fast. Let's don't go out to eat. Let's don't pass gold and collect the two dollars. Let's just go home. We live about maybe maybe ten minutes from the church or so, and so they leave the church early, about two forty-five. You can tell what time church got out in those days. Come on now. And so, mom and dad, they're pulling in our driveway here. 
at the very same time they put in the driveway, I was in the car of an extra neighbor. He was about 245. And we were coming back from Friday night partying. We've been partying ever since Friday night. And mom and dad saw me in my neighbor's car. And mom said, my daddy, today's his day. Today's his day. Today's his day. I mean, she was getting happy. Today's his day. Today's his day. Listen to the driveway. Wait for me to get out of the car. And so I get out of my neighbor's car. I begin to walk across his lawn. I said, walking, I was staggering, stumbling, weaving. And I had hair, long hair down in my butt. And a scratchy beard. And I'd vomit all over myself. Ugh. I looked bad and I smelled bad. Come on now. My mom saw me from a distance and she said, today's the day, today's the day. And when it got right on her, she said, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> but she said, son, why don't you go with us to church tonight? I said, don't ever mention that word to me again. I will never, never, never darken the doors of a church. I hate that blankety, blank, blank, blankless. That was like water off a duck's back, so I go inside, go upstairs, upstairs, back bedroom. And I'm sitting there, my life is passing before me. 19, I was 20. I had no education. A diploma that meant nothing because I had no education. I served time already in prison. I spent more time two days later. My life was a mess. You know, I had to get off. I was coming down. I was shooting drugs. Even today, God is my witness. I go to a doctor. They try to find a vein to drop blood. They can't do it. I said, you can't find nothing there. They can't. I said, this is blown out. I'll show you where to take blood. I had to show them the veins. But here it was upstairs, and I was coming down. Had to get up. Had to hit up. Oh, my God, my God, my God. My, my life was a mess. I was so tormented because of what I was going through, what I was facing. But all of a sudden, somebody showed up. The Holy Spirit. And he came to that upstairs back bedroom. And my body was shaking and quaking. But all of a sudden, the peace of God came on me. And the Holy Spirit said, without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, you'll never amount to anything. You need Jesus. I said, I don't need religion. You don't need religion, but you do need Jesus. And for at least two, three hours, Holy Spirit kept saying over and over again, without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, you'll never amount to anything. You need Jesus. I'm saying that to you. Without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, you'll never amount to anything. You need Jesus. But the peace of God was on me. I never known that piece before. And then I went downstairs to the kitchen for something. Just as Lawrence and Florence were getting ready to walk out the door to go to church for Sunday night service. My mom looked at me and said, Son, I know you said don't ask you, but I'm going to ask you again. Why don't you go with us to church tonight? If you need time to the service, if you want to, I'll bring you back here. But why don't you come? The Holy Spirit said, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. My life was a mess. I said, well, okay. Give me just a moment to get ready. I went upstairs, you know, to put on my best leather. 
Remember those leather jackets back in the early 70s? Yeah, the fringes. I was here to put on my best leather, to put on my best earrings. You come, you see the holes in my ears from 50 some years ago. But I went upstairs to get ready. Then I ran downstairs to get in the car. As I was pulling, as I was getting in the car, all of a sudden my three best friends pulled up. And they kind of blocked the driveway. Mom and dad couldn't, drive, couldn't pull up because they're blocking the driveway. And they said, hey, come here. Come here. And I said, yeah. I mean, lazy, I couldn't talk right. My vocabulary was so very, very, very limited. August was, yeah, wow, heavy, far out. <laughs> but guess who I finally married? I married an English major. Come on now. Woo! And she would say, baby, your grammar is the pits. I said, yeah, we're saved by grace and not by grammar. How about you just give me five more minutes? Come on, five more minutes. And my friend said, hey, it's party time. But Lawrence and Florence were in the front seat of the car. He could both shine, praying the Holy Ghost. And I said, now nah, y'all go ahead. I'll catch you away later. I didn't want them to know I was going to church. They said, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And about that time, Malcolm pulled out a brown paper bag. Now, some people, they'll buy a nickel bag, a dime bag, a few joints, but Malcolm had a whole kilo of marijuana. A whole kilo. Come on now. It's party time. Woo! My God, have mercy, Jesus. And I told my mom, y'all go ahead. I'm going home with my friends. Now, that did not sit well with my mom and dad. And the Lord spoke to my mom and says, my daughter, whatever you would decree over him right now, I would do it for you because of the covenant that I have with you. Mama reached over and grabbed my daddy's hand. He says, agree with me now. Mama said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, right now I come against all alcohol that he will put in the system. I come against all drugs he will put in the system and he will not get off on it. His body will not be affected. His mouth will not be affected. His blood will be He won't get off. He won't affect him in no sheep fashion or form. Nothing will happen to him because of the alcohol. It will not happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go, Daddy. And so they went on to church. They went to the church, I guess, where Mama went. Come on, take a guess. To the altar. Mama got down, began to pray and sway. Oh, God. Oh, God. Get home, my boy. But I was in the car with my three best friends. Riding around town. Smoking dope. Drinking booze. The early 70s, what kind of booze was it? Boone's Farm. Mogan David. Come on now. You've been there before. I thought you, I saw you at the store. Come on in. And they were getting high as a kite. Woo! They're getting wasted. But the more I drank, the more I spoke. Guess what happened to me? Nothing. I said, oh my God, I've got nothing to live for anymore. I can't even get high anymore. My God, my God, my God. I said, this is not strong enough for me. I need some else. And so we stopped off. There's a party going on in this one apartment. We stopped by there, and I heard, you know, I had a little bit of money, not much, but I had a little bit of money. 
and I could score some heroin to hit up. I'm in the back room there, and there's a guy there by the name of Jimmy. He never shot up in his life, but Jimmy shot up some heroin. It was so powerful, so potent, so pungent, so strong that Jimmy overdosed right there. He died before my eyes. His soul was lost. He died before my eyes. He died right there in the spot. And my friends, we, we better get out of here. We better, I needed. I said, no, I'm, I'm gone too. We got out of there. We got out of there. We got my friend's car. That's 69 GTO. And we're driving down this one road, Perry Hill Road in Montgomery, Alabama. Then we turned on this one road. We heard ever went down the four of us. It's kind of off the beaten path. We turned down Vaughn Road. And guess what's on Vaughn Road? I looked up and I saw the church. And I told the one driver, my neighbor, I said, Tommy, pull in that church parking lot. He said, I thought, what? For what? I said, just pull in. The three of the houses kind. I said, just pull in. He said, for what? I said, just pull in. He pulls in the parking lot. He stops the car. I said, let me out of this car. I said, the back seat of the two-door car. I said, let me out of this car. He said, for what? I said, because I'm going in that church service. They all said, for what? Well, I got out that drove off the three of them. Whatever happened to the three? After that night, that Sunday night, we were never, never together again as a group of four, four friends. Whatever happened? Houston Dixon Overdosed of heroin in 1974, died and went to hell. Malcolm served three life sentences in Louisiana for three murders he committed, ripping off three guys with the drugs. Tommy, my neighbor, he plays guitar with a lead, lead guitar with a group called Sticks. And I got something better than Malcolm, Houston, and Tommy, because Jesus got a hold of my life. Come on, shout amen. But they drove off, and I come in that night to that sanctuary. I look like a flashback from Woodstock or something. I don't know. When I came walking in, standing there, long hair, scraggly beard, earrings, that long, long leather jacket. I could still hear 52 years later, some of the saintly sanctified ones said, oh my God, the nerve of him coming in like that. What's he doing coming in here like that? Somebody ought to ask him leave right now. Somebody ought to quickly escort him out of this place. They've been praying for me for years to get there. Come on now. But when I got there, I didn't fit their mold. You think I looked bad back then in 1972? Pastor Rick, I believe with all my heart that in days to come, coming through these doors, there's be a lot of young people, your sons and daughters, your grandchildren, they're coming in these doors. With all kinds of habits and hangups and addictions. They're coming in with every kind of bondage that has. Long hair, green hair, pink hair, no hair. Everything that can be pierced and tattooed, they're coming in. But guess who they are? They're future apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, missionaries, psalmists, workers in the vineyard of the Lord. Who is it? It's your children and your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews. And they come in. Don't you judge them. Don't you criticize them. 
don't you begin to speak all kinds of nasty Pentecostal phraseology against them. But love on them with the love of the Lord. And I could hear that. I could hear it even 52 years later. I can still hear My God, somebody ought to ask him to get out of here. I was saying, I'm in the wrong place. My friend just drove off. This is before cell phones, before pagers. Nobody get them. They're gone. I'm stood there. What am I doing here? And all of a sudden, somebody put an arm around me. I looked. And when I looked, it was a longtime friend of my family, Harry Horton. Harry knew me since the day I was born. But Harry never criticized me, never belittled me, never put me down, but always was a true child of God and always loved on me with the love of the Lord. And Harry heard what they were saying. Harry put his armor on me. He said, Danny, don't listen to them. Most of them don't really know God. How right he was. I had that loving armor Harry around me. He said, why don't we just sit on down here next to me? And we sat on the very last row over there. And as soon as I sat down by the barn, the very second I sat down on my seat, the pew, the pastor said, everybody stand. I just sat down. He has to stand up. Okay. He said, we've already had a great time tonight. People have been saved and healed and filled and thrilled and blessed. But it's time to close. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Well, I did. He said, everybody look up. I said, what's with this guy? I sit down and he has us to stand. He said, bow your head and close your eyes. He said, look up. He said, everybody just hold on. Trust me, I was. I was holding on tight to that pew. What am I doing here? And then the pastor. He's one of those old-time, old-line Pentecostal preachers. You thought had a respiratory problem. Glory to God. Ha, praise the Lord. Ha, glory to God. Amen. Ha, woo, glory. Ha, woo, woo. Every sentence said five glories and ten hallelujahs. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I know. Hallelujah. I know we had a, we've had a time, but I feel there's one more. There's one more. Now he was pointing in a general direction, but he was pointing right back at me. But I feel there's one more than he's Jesus. And I said, my God, he's pointing right at me. He said, your life is all messed up. Your life is all goofed up. And I said, yes. He said, I don't know who you are. I said, you do. You're pointing right at me, my God. Glory to God. I don't know who you are. Yes, you do. But then he said something else. I don't know who you are. But whoever you are, I feel the letter of the Lord to say something to you. Without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, you're never mounting anything. You need Jesus. Oh, my God. I've been hearing that all afternoon. But the Holy Spirit, he said, that's you. I said, it's me, it's me, it's me. He said, that's you. I want you to come over here. This side of the altar is a curved altar. Come on down here right now. I don't know if I get up and start walking down there or an angel peeking me and threw me down there. I don't remember. But the next thing I knew, I was falling across the altar and I began to pray. I began to pray the only way I knew how to pray. I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Woo, oh God. But as soon as I hit that altar, I promise you, 
30 to 40 saints. They jumped out of the seats. They gathered around about me. They started binding this and loose of this, buke of this, and cashing out that. Have you ever been to one of those services? Come on down. At least 35 to 40 around me. One had me under my throat, shaking my throat, said, Give it up, give it up, just give it up, give it up, give it up. You give it up, come on now. One was on this side and said, hang on, hang on. One of this side and said, just let go, let go. And about five or six behind me, give me a Pentecostal rub now. Come on now. I said, Lord, you got to save me to give me some relief from all these saints. Come on now. But I started saying, God, I need you, 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 I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Then when the pastor said, everybody stand, everybody in the whole church stood except for two people. Who was it? Lawrence and Florence. My dad was still sitting in the second row. He was still sitting down. Mom was kneeling over here, the curved altar, praying. And she didn't see me go down there. And she was said, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And here it was on this side of the altar. And guess what? That night something happened. That night something happened. He set me free. He set me free. He set me free. That night, the burden of sin was rolled away. The blood washed me clean water than snow. That night, that very moment, he set me free from alcoholism. I was an alcoholic. I was worse than that. I was a drug addict. I was worse than that. I was a registered Democrat. Come on now. Lighten up if you're a Democrat. Just joking. But who was it? God was doing a work in my life. The Holy Spirit was cleansing me, washing me. My life was being changed, radically changed. I was kneeling down. And about that time, the pastor's wife, Sister Lambert, goes over to my mom over there. And she said, Florence, my daddy still couldn't see what's going on. And she said, Florence, I haven't seen your son Danny in years. But I think it's the one. I think Danny's the one that just came down there a moment ago. The other, Mama perked up. Come on. Mama jumped up. Mama jumped up. She looked over there. And she couldn't see me because all the 35 to 40 people gathered around about me. And she could, I don't know. I don't know. And all of a sudden, like the Lord part of the Red Sea, the Lord part of the people, they moved back. God did that. Mama saw me. And Mama took off. Wow. I said, there goes Mama. There goes Mama. Hallelujah. And Mama runs around the sanctuary and stops off where Daddy was and says, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. God just got a hold of Danny. Like he said, today's his day. Mom and Dad come over there. I've been cleansed by the blood. Set free from all habits, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, pornography, garbage, junk, yuck, transfer. From the night forth, guess what? I don't smoke, drink, dip, chew, cuss, gamble, chase ugly women. Come on now. He cleansed my life. But mom and dad came over there. Now you've got to see me. I weighed about 110 pounds. I was half the man I am now. Come on now. My body was just shriveled up like skin and bones. I used to be a hippie. Now I'm a hippo. Come on now. What kind of person were you? I was long-haired, radical, fanatical, psychedelic, southern redneck with an attitude. But I got saved and set free. Mom and dad came over there. And Mama said, let's pray for him. He needs healing too. 
goes at Jonathan hepatitis C. And my back was in pain from all the automobiles I told and all the crazy stuff I did growing up. Come on now. I was in constipation. And on top of that, I had two gunshot wounds in my lower leg. I'm sure the scars later, that would not heal. Well, one person tried to shoot me in the head. Get Charles Smith. But my friend Philip Arnold slapped his arm. And the bullets that go to my head went to my leg. But those would not heal. Thank my God. Forgive me. But they laid their hands upon me that Sunday night. And God healed my body. Come on, shout amen. He took away the Jonathan Hepatitis C. Haven't had a pain in my back all these 52 years. The next morning I woke up and the gunshots we were already scabbed over. The scabs fell off after a few days. He's a healing Jesus. Come on, shout him out. It was Sunday. Monday morning I woke up feeling fine with Jesus on my mind. But what happened the next day, Tuesday? Well, what, what happened Tuesday? Court. Had to go face those five felony charges. And the district attorney, he already told my lawyer, I'm recommended 40 years. Fear tried to grip my heart so strong. And God, on the way down there, says, when you get to court, tell the truth. I said, I don't want to tell the truth. He said, son, tell the truth. I don't want to tell the truth. He said, tell the truth. For the truth will set you free. I said, no, it'll light me up. I said, furthermore, they can't prove anything on me. And so we get to the courtroom. I look up there. There's some police officers, some detectives. And these two guys I thought were good old homeboys. They were state narcotics agents I've been dealing with. I said, maybe they do have something on me. And I turned to my lawyer. I said, won't you talk to the DA? He don't like you. I said, just talk to me now. Ask him if I'll plead guilty to all charges. What kind of deal can I get? I told him, but he said, don't. He said, don't just don't, don't wait for anything good to happen. It comes back up. He says, son, this is your lucky day. I said, what? He said, if you'll plead guilty to all charges, he'll recommend 10 years. I know 10 is a lot better than 40. Come on now. I said, sounds good to me. And so just my, my case was the first case called up that morning, the state of Alabama versus Danny Johnston. And so Judge Richard Emmett, the judge, he turns to the DA, to my lawyer, the agreement for 10 years. Yes, yes, yes. He looks at me and says, young man, is there anything you want to say before I pass sentence on you? I said, no, nah, man, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's all right, yeah. I couldn't talk right. My mouth was so sizzled and burnt out. He said, okay, then. I said, wait a minute. He said, what? I said, judge, I want to say something. He said, what is it? I said, and then the spirit of God began to grip my life. I said, judge, I want to say this. I used to be quiet. Think about that. Can you believe that? I used to be quiet, Tim and shy, bashful, an ultra introvert. But I said, Judge, I'm a different person than I used to be. I'm a different person when I got arrested last. And I'm a different person than I was a couple of nights ago. He said, the gavel in the hand. What do you mean by that, son? 
I said, because Sunday night, I went to church. I said, yes to Jesus. And he got a hold of my life, and he won't let go. Judge Emmett came down with that gavel. Let's have a 15-minute recess. I found out later, Judge Emmett was a born-again believer. Come on now. So he goes out the back way to his office, to his chambers. Who was in the courtroom? Lawrence and Florence and the pastor. But also there's another pastor there. He lived across the street for about five, five houses down. Now we went to the book, but he pastored first assembly of God in Montgomery. Pastor John Stalins. A great songwriter. He wrote songs you too, like songs like Learning to Lean. Remember those songs? Other great songs. The judge goes to his chambers and Brother John gets up in the courtroom. He goes around the back way to the judge's office and tells the secretary, I've got to see Judge Emmett. I'm sorry, sir. He sees no one today. He's in session. It's an emergency. I've got to say, I'm sorry, sir. He cannot be disturbed. You can't see him today. Ma'am, would you please, please, please tell him it's an emergency. Tell him. Pastor John Stalins has to see him. She opens the door and she said, Judge, I hate to disturb you, but a Pastor John Stalins is here saying, it's an emergency. He must see you now. Come on in, John. Pastor John goes in. What can I do for you, John? He said, that young man out there, he's my neighbor. He's tormented me for years. He's been a vile, wicked, nasty, corrupt, vile, sinister young man. He's been a terror. But judge, suddenly night, he gave his heart to the Lord. Already there's been a mighty change in his life. And judge, we're friends, but I'm not, I'm not asking you to do something because we're friends. But judge, I'm not asking you for justice. I'm asking you for mercy. <laughs> He said, let me pray about it, John. He had a 50 minutes. I was called back up again before Judge Richard He said, anything else you want to say before I pass sentence on you? I said, no, nah, man, that's right. He said, I'm taking the 10 years. I'm driving it down because you need a little time to think. I'm driving it down from 10 years to 13 months. How many of that's better than 10 years or 40 years? And so the day I'm escorted from the courtroom out of the county jail that morning, about probably about 9.30. Later on that afternoon, they're taking a load out to Kilby Prison. I've been there before. So I go into Kilby Prison in a place, I'm placing a cell all by myself. No sheets, no blankets, no pillows, just a pair of basket, mattress. As I'm sitting there, I heard the voice of the Lord to me. So look under the mattress. I said, for wood. Look under the mattress. I said, for wood. Just look under the mattress. I got off that bunk. I picked up that mattress. I saw something under there. It was gray. I pulled it out. It was a giant print, King James, red-lettered New Testament, covered with duct tape. Come on now. Thank God for duct tape. Amen. A Bible. New Testament. I never read it in my life. Never read it before. Never read it. But I sat there on the edge of that bunk, nowhere to go. 
And the, my spirit man was saying, you need this, you need this, you need this. I began to flip through it. Romans, Jude, Philemon, Hebrews, John, Thessalonians, Titus, Galatians, Revelation, Mark. Oh, hallelujah. This is good. And the Lord said to me, son, why don't you begin to read it? I said, yeah, that's good. That's good. I never read it before. I said, where do I start? He said, start at the beginning. So turn to the first book, Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And so-and-so begins so-and-so, and they begin so-and-so, and they begin so You can't pronounce those names either. Come on now. And I said, oh, God. He said, skip it. And I dropped down to verse number 18, and I read through the entire 27 books of the Testament. One time, two times, three times, four times, five times. And my mind was so burnt out before that. But God Almighty is my witness. I had to read that through five times, this healing in the word. He healed my mind. He healed my mind. He healed my mind. I've got a healed mind. I'm blessed about it. I've the mind of Christ. I'm spiritual about it. Oh, come on now. Come on, shouty man. He said, now I begin to memorize it. I begin to memorize the word too. And I was there for almost a month. Then on Saturday, April the 1st, 1972, I was moving from the to the open cell block with about 400 men on this Saturday. What happened the next day was powerful. Because on that Sunday, April the 2nd, 1972, I had visitors for the first time since I've been sent off from 12.32 o'clock an hour and a half visiting time. And there are two groups that came to see me. There's a group that had the spirits Plural. Who was it? It was my next door neighbor, Tommy. And my girlfriend, Paula. Now, Paula, she was hot. Come on now. She was a hottie. The first time I brought Paula home, I came walking to the back door. Paula, mom was there across the room. Mama said, I plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Paula said, what did she say? Nothing, nothing, nothing. But Paula and Tommy came in to see me. But I've been shedding with Jesus for a month. The word of God. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just said, we'd love to stay, but we got to go. Thank God they had to go. And the next week, Paula moved to California. There is a God. Come on now. Hallelujah. But who was there? My mom, my dad, and the pastor. He came that day just to see me. He let one of the associates preach that gives something to see me. And they started talking about Jesus. I said, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And probably about 135, roughly. The pastor said, what you need? You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I knew mom had it, daddy had it. I said, I know they got it. The pastor said, you need it, you need it, you need it. I said, I need it, I need it. He said, do you want it? I said, I want it, I want it. And about 145, the three of them they gained up on being Pentecostal style. I still have skin marks in the forehead. Look at there. They laid hands on me. And about 145, 150, right about there, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. With evidence of speaking with other tongues, it was like rivers of living water flowing out of my life. How about just give me two more minutes? Come on, two more minutes. And I was speaking in tongues. Non stop for about 
15 minutes as old. Shandala Bakura Mashiba. All of a sudden, there's a eh, 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 the buzzer goes off. When the guard says, folks, vision time is now over. Vision quickly, quickly exit this way. All your prisoners line against the wall over there. I'm still speaking in tongues. I tried to say something in English, but English wouldn't come out. But folks said, yeah, we'll see you next Sunday. Come on out. And so, I was still speaking in tongues. I tried to stop, but I couldn't stop. They didn't want to stop. But guess what? On top of that, I was drunk. And the Holy Ghost. Yeah, she about you thought I'd been there riding high brown mean or something. Come on in. Woo! Lying against the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, woo, woo. And here it was. And we had to walk by this opening. There's a guard there. If anything strange or weird out of place, he'd pull him out. I was going, shit, come on. I knew I was going to get pulled out. Come on now. And so I got about two, three away from him. He pulled this one out. He's okay. Pull him out. He's okay. He's okay. He's pulling him out. And here it was. So speaking in tongues, she up. And I knew I was going to get pulled out. But I got about maybe three or four away from him. He's a little short guard. like, you know, Beaver D. Justice on Bandit. Come on now. He had an armful of folders. I was getting closer and closer. And I said, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And guess what? All of a sudden, those folders went flying. I believe the angel got behind them and boop, tap those shoulders, those folders. They were flying. He bends over to pick them up. And guess what? Oh, right on by. Come on now. How many God always make a way? Come on, shout amen. And I walked back about a 10 minute walk to the cell block. By this time, I quit praying in tongues. But I sat down in my bunk. And I said, Lord, in less than a month, you've saved me. You've delivered me. You've healed me. And you fill me with the Holy Spirit. You've been so good to me, my Lord. So good to me. What would you have me do for you? If you ask that, he'll take you up on it. He said, my son, I've called you to preach my gospel. Before you came from my brother's womb, I'll call you to preach. And hell tried to take you out all these years. But I've called you to preach my gospel. I said, Lord, but I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. He said, good. I can use you then. He said, I've called you to preach. Will you preach about God? Yes. I've called you to be an evangelist. To the nations. Will you go and forth and preach? Yes, Lord. Are you ready now to start telling everybody about Jesus? I said, yes, Lord. But Lord, I'm behind these prison walls. He said, that's nothing for me. Guess what? The Lord's already moving. Mom and dad, they go back that night, the Sunday night service. Guess who decides to start coming to that church? The governor of Alabama. Come on now. And his wife. Hallelujah. And guess what? Pastor and my mom, my daddy, they made a beeline to the governor. Our son's in prison. What the, yeah, he was wrong. But he gave his heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. God's got his hand upon him, governor. And guess what? I got out. Not in 40 years. Not in 10 years. Not in 13 months. But I got out 
in five months. Come on, shout amen. And the Monday I got out of prison, the first Monday of August, 1972, I was going home. I had to stop by the parole office, the parole officer's office. He said, you're going to come see me, come see me every other Friday without fail. Okay. And you've got to get a job. A what? A job. Never had one before. But as great pharmacist does not count. Come on now. And so we go home, and all my brothers and sisters and their spouses and my nieces and nephews, they were there at mom and dad's house to have a welcome home, welcome to any party. Come on now. Oh, a party. I'm Pentecostal. No more dope, no more drinking. What kind of Pentecostal party? Fried chicken, chocolate cake, and banana pudding. Come on now. And I told him, I said, don't tell my friends I'm getting out because I didn't want them coming over. And so here was about all my family members having a good time. And all of a sudden I heard that voice. What about me? What about me? What about me? Who was that? The Lord. And I excused myself. I went back upstairs to that same upstairs bedroom where he'd come five months before. And the Lord says, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, my God. He says, son, whatever you need, I would do it for you. Because I love you. What is it, my son? Only had one need. What was it, church? A job. I promise you this. I said, Lord, I need a, even before it got out of my mouth, the doorbell began to ring. I heard the doorbell from downstairs. My brother Jim said, Danny, it's for you. Somebody wants to see you. Hope some of my friends are not supposed to know I'm out. I go downstairs. And then the living room, guess who's there? Remember, Harry. Put his arm around me. It was Harry. Harry said, Daddy, welcome home. And you were getting up today, your mom had told me. But I was in my office praying a moment ago. And the Lord told me, you're going to need a job. Do you need a job? I said, yeah. He said, good. I want you to come work for me. You own a construction company. I said, Harry, I don't know anything about trim, farm framing. I, I've never swung a hammer to drive a nail, other things. He said, I'll teach you all that you need to know. He said, we had come work. For, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, good, how long? You're going to wait. When can you start working? I should have said next week. I don't know, what about tomorrow? I made a mistake. Come on now. I want you to meet me in such and such a place. I don't have a car. I don't have anything to drive. He's okay that I'll come out tomorrow morning. I'll pick you up. I'll be here at 7.30. I said, a.m.? <laughs> so the next morning, Harry came to pick me up. And Harry had me a cup of coffee and a bagel. Sometimes a muffin, a croissant, whatever. And this man of God says, you know, Danny, the Bible says such and such. He began to talk to me about the things. That he wouldn't let me work with those crews. They're all heathen dogs. I work with them every step of the way. He taught me how to put a trim, how to hang a door, different things. And I worked there with Harry, but my heart was not there to work for Harry. He said, go put up that piece of trim around the door. 
Normally take me, what, maybe 20 minutes? He came in an hour later. I'll be on my knees. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And he said, Danny, get, get to work. I love it. My heart wasn't there. My heart wasn't there to work with Harry. My heart was to go preach the gospel. Finally, I've been working with Harry for about maybe five months. Harry said, Danny, you're not any good to me coming to work with me here. I can't even come in. I said, my God, Harry, I've got to have a job. I'm in big time trouble with the parole officers. He said, you got a job. He said, you're called to preach. Yes, Brother Harry. I will pay you the same thing I pay you now. The eight hours you work for me, you stay home and you read your Bible and you seek God and I'll pay you the same thing. That's a good deal. Come on now. And so for eight months, no, I was sentenced, what, to 13 months, right? Five months of prison, so it gives how many months parole did I have? Eight months. And every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, we had testimony services back in those. Remember those days? It was safe in those days to have testimonies. And every service three times a week, the pastor, who's got a testimony? I jump up, I do it, do it, do it. He said, hey, what's your testimony? I said, he, he got a hold of me want to go. I'm called to preach an evangelist. I'm ready. This went on for eight months. And finally, Sunday night, April the 1st, 1973, I've been saved now for what? Right at 13 months. The pastor said, everybody be back here Wednesday night. Because Wednesday night, we're going to have a special, special, special guest evangelist. I said, I wonder who he is. Maybe I can learn from him because I'm called to preach. I'm an evangelist. I'm ready. I'm ready. He said, be back Wednesday Wednesday Danny Johnson is going to preach his first sermon. I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So Wednesday night, Pastor Lambert didn't make mention as a first time preacher. He said, now you help welcome evangelist Danny Johnston. I come up there. My knees were knocking. They were having a fellowship meeting. Come on now. I had 47 pages of notes. Never got up my notes. Preach about 10, 12, 15 minutes stops. Half the time I was crying. Half the time I repeated myself. All of a sudden, he got a hold of me. You come on down. He'll get a hold of you. Come on down. And the altars fill it up. I got that on tape. It was a mess. No, I'll not give it to you. <laughs> I refused years ago to sell that at the tape table. Come on. It was that bad. But as the service, a pastor, Pastor Carl Hodges from Chipley, Florida, he came and said, Young man, I appreciate somebody like you. You knew when to stop and throw out the net. You probably could have kept on going for another two hours of my preaching. Duh. He said, young man, a moment ago, the Lord spoke to me to invite you to come to my church for a revival. I paused for a long moment. I said, Pastor Hodges, something you don't know. He said, what's that? I said, I've never preached a revival. In fact, tonight's the first time I've ever preached. He paused for a longer moment. Come on out. He then said, young man, it doesn't matter. Everybody's got to start somewhere. We're not a big church or a small church, but I know the voice of God. And God said, invite you to come.
to my church for revival. Will you come to my church? I pause. God, what to do? I said, yes, I will. Good. How long can you come for? Three or four weeks. They did it like that back in those days. Come on now. I was thinking, good grief. I've only got one sermon. My God, I love you. I said, ha, ha, ha. what about, what about, what about three? Is it good? Let's start. If it's okay with you, the last Sunday of April, April the 29th, 1973. So I continue to stay home, pray, and see God. Harris will pay me. Thank God. But on that Friday, we're to see Harry. I said, Harry, thank you for giving me a job. I had a job. But Harry, I'm leaving. I'm going full time in the ministry. Good. Do you have a lot of churches scheduled to go to? I wouldn't say a lot of churches. How many churches you got going scheduled? Do you have 10 churches? No. Seven, no, five. How many? I said one. I said, but I believe in God's open doors. He said, go preach that revival and come back to work for me. So the next day, Saturday, I was at home praying, seeking God. And I said, Lord, I've only got one church to go to. Lord, will you open doors for me? Come on up, Miss Anna, if you would. Come on up, praise team. I said, Lord, I've only got one church to go to. Lord, will you open doors for me? Will you open doors? He says, son, if you will obey me, obey me, you'll never, never like for a place to preach.